0: Hello and welcome to this week's recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you'd like to make a donation towards the running costs or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us at Colin Chance house. There isn't always someone here, but leave a message or some, and someone will get back to you as soon as they can. I am Sally, and Ian and Rhian are reading with me today, and John is our sound engineer. We will be featuring the news from Friday, December the 9th until Thursday, December the 15th. We'll start with some um, general phone numbers, etc., and then what's on in the local area, followed by the headline stories, and then some general articles of interest, and ending with a couple of sporting stories. Then after the music, the obituaries will follow for those who wish to hear them. And um, unfortunately, this is going to be our last recording until 5th of January. um deci- decision has been made that next week, due to postal strikes and various other issues... We can't record. And then it's the Christmas break. So we need to wish you all a very happy Christmas. Sunrise today was 8.10. And sunset was 3.56. It's very nearly the shortest day of the year. And then they'll start getting warmer. And hopefully longer. I mean longer and hopefully warmer. (laughs) So... Now over to Ian.
1: Yes, firstly, uh, the birthdays for this week. On the 19th, we have Robert Hayes and Mandy Atkinson. And then to cover next week for birthdays over the Christmas break and New Year, on the 27th, Lynette Williams, on the 28th, Mary Day, and on the 29th, Barry Hurd. Happy birthday to all of you. For some relevant telephone numbers here in Wilds Lane, uh, the number is 01905 767766. The police non-emergency number is 101. Crime Stoppers is on 0800 treble five treble one. Worcester Hub telephone 01905 765765. 765. Worcester Live is on 01905 611 427. Morven Theatres 01684 And Samaritans, which is a free number, is double one six one two three. The thought for the week is taken from Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 to 12. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger.
2: Quick roundup of what's on in Worcester and the surrounding areas. Um, Worcester News has the traditional carol service on at Worcester Cathedral on Wednesday, the twenty-first of December, at six thirty p.m. Everybody is invited to join for a very special night at the cathedral when the sound of hundreds of singing voices will ring out just before Christmas, and you could be among the rejoicing throng. A thousand worshippers will be welcomed at the cathedral, where the cathedral choir will be singing, with the congregation raising the rafters with traditional carols. This year, the event will not be ticketed, and everyone is welcome to attend. Everyone will need to be seated by 6.20pm. And at Malvern Theatres, the Stage Company is presenting A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, adapted and directed by Nick Lloyd. This starts on Tuesday, December the 20th and carries on till Friday, December the 30th. It's on at the Forum Theatre Um, Tickets are £16.80 with £2 concessions for the over-60s and the unwaged and children pay um, £8.96. The box office number again is 01684-892-277. And Beauty and the Beast continues to be on at Malvern and it's on until January the 1st. It's uh, a magical beauty of a pantomime, Um, very seasonal, and there'll be a relaxed performance, um, especially on Saturday, the 31st of December at 10 a.m., for people who find regular performance settings challenging. Um, Tickets are relaxed performance, all seats are £10, and there's a variety of prices for the other tickets, and that's a about all that's on in the local area for the coming week
0: thank you and now for the headline stories starting with friday december the 9th spoiling for fight at station a drunk man who tried to punch terrified rail staff while calling them silly sausages complained he was being treated like a triple murderer Matthew Martindale was locked out of Worcester's Shrub Hill railway station because of his bad behaviour, but claimed he was only trying to get his man bag, which was still inside. The 40-year-old Worcester appeared at court over video link from HMP Oakwood. At Shrub Hill, Martindale claimed he would return with a machine gun and shoot people, tried to punch staff, threw bottles at windows, made threats to kill and tried to fight staff and passengers. He admitted three public order offences, threatening or abusive or insulting words or behaviour. Two charges relate to May the 21st at the station and one to May the 19th when he swore at co-op worker Christopher Gilder in Sansom Walk. Eleanor Pert, prosecuting, said, Distressed passengers got off the train from Birmingham at 11pm and the defendant could be heard shouting and swearing, observed by train dispatcher Hassan Muller. Miss Pert said of Martindale he was looking for a fight, intimidating everyone with his threatening demeanour. He was shouting silly sausages repeatedly. Martindale was heard to say, fight me and are you going to have a go? He also insulted a woman and asked her partner if he wanted a fight. The doors of the station were locked to keep the defendant out and while bending down to lock it, Martindale swung a punch at Mr Muller which came close to his face. He also threw bottles at the window. He feared for the safety of those around him, said Miss Pert. The second victim, Alan Sheldrake, tried to ignore Martindale, who claimed to be from Bethnal Green and was going to shoot them all. Martindale interrupted, denied and added, They had my man bag. The prosecutor went on to describe Martindale walking in front of the replacement bus service coaches outside the station, one of which had to perform an emergency stop. Martindale again interrupted and said, They were all scared of a five foot three person. I don't like lying, sorry. Martindale was also described as abusive to officers, one describing him as extremely intoxicated. He kicked the door of the police van as he was taken away and threatened to return and burn the whole place down. Sean Newey, defending, said, Martindale has ADHD and schizophrenia battled Class A drugs and alcohol, hitting a bump in the road when his father died. Martindale said, I'm being treated it's like it's a triple murder. Magistrates added a month to his existing prison sentence, which will be served concurrently, so it will not add to its length. They ordered him to pay £30 compensation to each victim.
1: Now for the lead story for Saturday and Sunday, December the 10th and 11th. Selling Sex to Pay Soaring Bills Desperate people in Worcester are being forced to turn to sex work to be able to afford to pay bills. There are fears that some are even being coerced into selling their body as part of what is known as survival sex. The issue was first brought up by City Councillor Richard Udall, who has been told sex work was becoming more prevalent. As we reported yesterday, police raided a city house after a tip-off. It was being used as a brothel. Investigations are ongoing. And now the West Mercia rape and sexual abuse support centre in Bransford near Worcester, has said it is aware that more women are becoming involved in survival sex. They said we make no judgement at the branch and offer instead a safe space for support. Survival sex is where people need to exchange sex to live or to meet a need this may be in exchange for food a roof over their heads for the night or for ongoing rent mortgage payments and bills or to ensure that their children have food items and some security some may be exploited and or forced into this some may feel that they have no other choice Poverty has long been a driver for people to sell sex and this can only be exacerbated by the current cost of living crisis. Councillor Richard Udall, St John's City Councillor, said he has been contacted by people concerned with the increase in prostitution in the city. He said this is a serious concern. The cost of living crisis is driving people into desperate measures. Both men and women are being forced to take decisions which they should never have to make, just to get by and to help pay the bills. It is an industry known for exploitation, including drugs, organised crime and people trafficking. The very nature of the work is secretive. Violence and abuse against workers is very common. We need measures in place to ensure no children or vulnerable young adults are being exploited. He said... We need to uncover how serious the problem may be, what can be done to help prevent people from turning to the sex industry for a living, and what can be done to help the men and women who feel they have no choice. The sex industry has always existed, but that does not make it acceptable for it to continue in 2022. People are turning to the industry, not from choice, but from necessity. In the raid in the city on Wednesday, Police surrounded a large Georgian house in Bath Road at around 11.45am. It is still being investigated and the action was described initially as a safeguarding warrant over concerns about a vulnerable person or people being exploited.
2: On Monday, December the 12th, the headline read Near Misses, Crashes and Ten Years of Pleas. Frustrated parents and teachers battling for years to stop traffic from using a cramped street opposite a primary school have asked if action will only be taken after a serious accident. The Narrow Thornlow Walk, which serves St George's Roman Catholic Primary School in Worcester, has been the site of several crashes and near misses in recent years, the most recent of which saw a city council lorry crash into a wall outside the school during the morning rush the school has continued to push to protect its pupils from dangerous parking and driving and one parent, Isabel Michel, questioned whether it would take a serious accident before Worcestershire County Council was pushed into action. Speaking to the County Council's cabinet last Thursday, she said, We are really asking for a common-sense decision. We are talking about children's safety and we are talking about 10 years of the school and residents asking for action. We are talking about several near misses, several articles in the newspaper and two wall collapses. So I am asking you what it will it take for you to take action? The campaign to make Thornlow walk a school street would see bollards installed and the road closed to traffic for an hour during drop-off and pick-up times to allow children and parents to get to school safely. The measures have been introduced as trials outside other schools with with success. A petition pushing for safety measures has reached more than 250 signatures. Miss Michelle read out a letter from St George's headteacher, Jill Gittings, which said, The school regularly receives complaints because of dangerous and inconsiderate parking around the school. Examples include parking on pavements causing obstructions, blocking driveways, parking on double yellow lines and allowing children to exit vehicles while stopping on clear zigzag lines. However, the main concern we witness is vehicles travelling along the narrow road of Thornlow Walk at peak school times. The letter went on. Over the years, there have been several near misses with children, cyclists, children on scooters and parents pushing babies in push chairs along this narrow stretch of road. Former headteacher Mike Painter is said to have tried to bring in safety measures around the school in 2012, but nothing came to fruition. Many different initiatives have been promoted over the years, including walk, bike and scooter to school events – weekly bike-to-school events led by a parent, messages to parents, emails and newsletters regarding considerate parking and driving and requesting them not to drive along Thornlow Walk, involvement of community support officers to monitor driving and parking, meeting with local councillors, governors, parents and residents to discuss new approaches – Despite the above measures, we still have serious road safety within close proximity to the school. Over the last year, the wall on the corner of Thornlow Walk has been hit twice by vehicles and the damage was extensive. Speaking at the meeting, County Council Leader Council Simon Garrity said, ''Obviously, we will consider the petition when it comes in and a response will be given.'' We really do appreciate you coming and giving up the time to address the Cabinet on the matter.
0: And the headline news on Tuesday, December the 13th, Santa vows to go to court. Santa has refused to pay a parking ticket for his sleigh and has vowed to go to court. Mike Worrell, known as Chicken Mick, said he was disappointed he was issued with a ticket after he parked his sleigh in Worcester City Centre. The 75-year-old said he was handing out sweets and teddies and collecting for charity New Hope when he was approached by the traffic warden. He insisted he was not driving the decorated trike around the streets. He merely crawled along at under two miles an hour to his parking spot before handing out festive gifts. Santa was met with a traffic warden outside Worcester Guildhall in the High Street on Saturday. Mr Worrell says he was the Santa in question, and refused to accept the ticket, telling the official to send it to the North Pole. He has now expressed the hope that Worcester City Council scrapped the ticket and has vowed to return to the city centre on December the 21st, 22nd and 23rd. I won't let the children down. I get pleasure from putting smiles on the faces of the children, he said. Mr Worrell has been supporting charities and good causes for the last 20 years, including Acorns... Midlands Air Ambulance and St Paul's Hostel. He added, I am a bit disappointed, but it's not going to stop me. I've been doing it for years. I refused to take the ticket. I told the warden, send it to me in the post. And he said, where's that? I said, the North Pole. I will go to court dressed as Father Christmas if I have to. His friend, Stuart Hackett, who was dressed as a Christmas tree, will support him if it goes to court, he said. He added, there's got to be rules, but it's Christmas time. They've got to expect some to get to come, someone to come along as Father Christmas to get people into the festive spirit. I'd like them to scrap the drama. The drama was captured by Jake Fox, 12, of Ombersley. Jake told the traffic warden, You can't do that. Santa is doing a good thing. His uncle, Mike Fellows, said he was walking up from Pump Street and found Santa near the end of the Christmas market in conversation with the traffic warden. mr Fellows of Ombersley said, "There were a lot of people gathered around and Santa was shouting at the traffic warden. To begin with I thought it was a set-up, but the traffic warden went round the rear of the vehicle to take pictures of the number plates. Santa shouted, "You're going on the naughty list." Lots of people were saying, "You can't do that to Santa he was angry. Mr Fellows felt so bad for Santa he gave him £10 and others had a whip round for him to cover the bill. Worcester City Council was unavailable for comment and council leader councillor Chris Mitchell declined to comment.
1: Moving on to Wednesday December the 14th. Driver had no chance of seeing crash victim. A driver had no chance of seeing pedestrian Maria Yannick before the crash that killed her, a coroner, ruled. The beloved grandmother was struck by a black Vauxhall Astra being driven by Teresa Spires in the crash that happened at 10.15pm on October 30th last year. The 51-year-old suffered severe head and chest injuries before dying two days later at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. During the inquest held at Worcestershire Coroner's Court yesterday, Miss Spires gave evidence. Miss Spires, a registered nurse, said she had been going to work that night heading to Worcester Police Station. The inquest heard she turned off the tithing into Castle Street. Holding back tears, Miss Spires said, as I turned into Castle Street, the only thing I can remember is the windscreen smashing. I froze, My hands were on the steering wheel and I couldn't let go. Miss Byers said sorry to Miss Yannick's family, adding, I didn't see her. I just wanted to say I'm so sorry that it happened. A statement was read from P.C. Holly Newton, a police officer who was off duty and happened to be in the area that night. I remember in hindsight being concerned where she, Miss Yannick, was stood, P.C. Newton said. The car didn't have a chance to stop before hitting her. During the evidence of PC Claire Byrne, a police crash investigator, CCTV footage was shown to the court of Miss Yannick being hit by the car. The inquest heard Miss Yannick had not taken a direct crossing route from Castle Street, being hit while she was walking in a yellow box junction, with it unclear where she was crossing to. PC Byrne, said at the moment of impact the car had been travelling at 14 miles an hour and explained Miss Spires' view could have been impeded by vehicles turning into the tithing and the vehicle's roof pillar. Giving his conclusion, Miss Yannick died as a result of a road traffic collision. Coroner David Reed said Miss Spires would not have had the reaction time to be able to take the evasive action to not hit Miss Spires. He passed his condolences to the family after announcing his verdict. Miss Janik from Southfield Street, Worcester, was born in Poland and moved from her home country to the city three years ago. After her death was announced, her family released a statement saying they had suffered deep sadness and mourning. The statement, translated from Polish, reads, It is with deep regret that on November 1, 2021, The most beloved mother, grandma, daughter, mother-in-law, sister-aunt, died tragically, 51 years old. For those who would like to go to the scene of a tragic accident in Worcester, the tithing, where flowers can be laid at the place of her last steps. Bouquets of flowers were also left at the scene for Miss Yannick, who worked as a cleaner for several employers, including ASK Italian in Cathedral
2: Square. Today, Thursday, December the 15th, the headline read, Calls to Plug Water Leaks. Water leaks have been causing widespread misery for residents around the city. Residents have complained about a number of issues linked to the leaks, including the freezing of water that has leaked in the cold temperatures and drivers being stuck as roads are closed for lengthy periods to fix the issues. As reported earlier this week, a massive water leak poured out onto the pavement in Sidbury. Water was gushing up between gaps in the pavement near Sidbury opposite City Walls Road. A resident also complained about a burst pipe in Ambleside Drive, saying, It has been like it for days. Seven Trent Water, STW, said it will be fixed on December the 22nd, and I thought that would be so long to wait. "'Water was gushing out. "'I don't think it was freezing because of the volume "'because it kept coming. "'Gritters have been creating slush on the road. "'The gritter is going up and down "'and it just runs down the drain. "'What a waste of water and grit. "'How there has not been an accident, I don't know. "'Luckily, they have now come out.' Temporary traffic lights have been set up in the road, with residents warned they could be there until Friday. Henwick Road, near the level crossing, has been closed while the repair is being fixed. The subway for pedestrians was closed, while STW workers fixed to repair the leak. STW's website is showing supply and pressure problems in the area to customers. Residents have also reported to us a major water leak in Rectory Close in Lower Broadheath. A resident there told us it has flooded into Grange Road and the gardens. Not going to be fixed until the 21st of December. Traffic lights are in Droitwich Road, Fernhill Heath and in Bromwich Road while leaks are fixed there. Meanwhile, STW have also dealt with a sewage leak in Corn Meadow Lane. That problem emerged on Saturday. Resident Rosemary Adams reporting it. She said it wasn't a leak, it was sewage water. My concern was water building up across the road and into Ombersley Road. Fortunately, it would go down overnight. STW were quick to respond and it was fixed on Tuesday. As of yesterday afternoon, STW's website said it was dealing with 59 separate incidents across Worcester. They added, We apologise to anyone affected by burst water pipes caused by the freezing temperatures we've been experiencing. Freezing temperatures can put pressure on pipe joints, causing them to leak or burst.
0: And now for the general news. Christmas is almost upon us, and the question on everyone's lips is, when do I need to put my bins out? Household bin collections will continue as normal over the festive period, with no changes to collection days. Similarly, bins will be collected on the usual days at the start of the new year, the following week, starting the 2nd of January. Worcester City Council has also given advice about what can go into recycling bins. Large cardboard boxes, Christmas cards without glitter and wrapping paper excluding foil and glittery paper can all go in the green bin. Tin foil and tinsel, however, will need to go in the black bin. You will have to remember to put the bins out by 7am on the day of collection. If you need to check when the black or green bin will be collected, you can use the Worcester City Council's bin round-up look-up look service at selfserve.worcester.gov.uk slash WCC round slash search. The council has warned that there will be some minor changes to commercial collections used by many businesses in the city. Commercial non-recyclable waste collections for Monday, December the 26th will now take place on Tuesday, December the 27th. Meanwhile, commercial recycling waste collections for December the 26th will take place on Wednesday, December the 28th. Then, in the new year, commercial non-recyclable waste collections for Monday, January the 2nd will take place on Tuesday, January the 3rd and commercial recycling waste collections for January the 2nd will take place on Wednesday January the 4th. Worcester City Council has stated there will be no bulky waste collections on Tuesday December the 27th, Thursday December the 29th and Tuesday January the 3rd. These will all start again on Tuesday January the 10th 2023 and can be booked at www.wooster.gov.uk slash bulky household waste. And the collection of white goods will resume on Thursday, January the 5th.
1: Thousands of people took up the offer of unlimited festive free bus travel, which has been hailed a success. There were 6,978 passengers who took advantage of the free buses as shoppers flocked to Worcester City Centre for Christmas shopping. It is a 20% increase for the equivalent Saturday in December before the pandemic. And there were 26% more than the number of paying passengers using first bus services in Worcester the week before, December 3rd. The most popular bus route was the 32, bringing passengers from Banehall Hall and St Peter's into the city centre. This saw an uplift of 57% compared to the previous Saturday. Coming in a close second was the 44, which brought in passengers from Great Morven, Powick and Lower Wick, which was a 45% week-on-week increase. The X50, which travels between Evesham, Pershore and Worcester, saw a 36% uplift in passengers. The free, unlimited travel took place on Saturday, December 10th, on the following routes onto the city centre. 30, 31, 32, 34, 35, 36, 38, 44, 45, 417, 144, the Salt Road, and X50. First Bus and Worcester City Council collaborated together in order to bring the initiative to life. Councillor Lynn Denham, Vice Chair of the City Council's Policy and Resources Committee, said it brought festive joy to the city and encouraged thousands of people to leave their cars at home. Councillor Denham said, It is great to see that this new initiative has brought festive joy to both Worcester residents and shoppers coming into our city from other destinations. Thousands of people headed into the city on the free Christmas buses, many choosing to leave the car at home. In the process, we also brought extra-seasonal cheer to Worcester's many shops and independent traders. Rob Pym, Commercial Director at First West of England said, We're delighted that the Free Travel Day was such a success. The City Council's focus on the bus as a great form of sustainable transport is really welcome, and with their support, we were really happy to be able to give so many people a free
2: ride. Labour has selected its new candidate to join the fight to be Worcester's next MP. Former City Councillor Tom Collins was selected as Labour's parliamentary candidate for Worcester by party members at a meeting. The new parliamentary candidate said he was absolutely honoured to be selected and declared the hard work starts right now. Speaking after the result was announced, it is an absolute honour to have been chosen by the local membership to be Labour's candidate at the next general election and hopefully Worcester's next MP. Mr Collins defeated former Lambeth councillor Mark Williams, who finished second, former West Midlands MEP Nina Gill, deputy leader of Southwark Council Danny Adlipore and Ellie Groves to earn the right to represent Labour at the next general election. Speaking after the result was announced, Mr Collins said... The hard work starts right now and I will work day and night to convince people in the city that I am the best person to represent them in Westminster. People in Worcester have been telling me how the cost of living crisis is affecting them. Energy bills up, food bills rocketing and taxes up too. They are hurting because this chaotic government has run out of ideas. It is time for a change. It is time for labour. A labour government will work in the interests of ordinary people. Our NHS is on its knees, our schools starved of cash and our economy is about to go into recession. After 12 Tory years, I will make the case that it shouldn't be like this. The Tories have failed people in Worcester. It is time for a Labour government and a Labour MP in Worcester. Mr Collins has lived in Worcester for 17 years and served as a councillor representing the city's Rainbow Hill Ward for Labour between 2018 until May. The city has been represented by Conservative Robin Walker since 2010 after he defeated Mike Foster, who was the first and last Labour MP to be elected in Worcester, having held the seat for 13 years from 1997.
0: Britain's only blind farmer uses his hands as eyes to carry out day-to-day tasks, including using chainsaws and axes. Mike Duxbury, 54, lost his vision at the age of six due to glaucoma and believes he's the only farmer with his disability in the UK. Mike said he grew up on a farm in Worcester and attended Warwick Agricultural College in 1986 to study to become an animal nutritionalist. Amazingly, Mike still manages to do all the tasks involved in running a successful farm. He uses all the kit, including chainsaws, axes to split wood, drills and drives a converted golf buggy as a pickup truck. He uses simple tricks such as laying some wire a few feet away from a gate so he can feel when he's close with his feet. Despite all his challenges, Mike has gone on to create inclusive, Inclusivity Farm near Flittick, Bedfordshire, a working farm where students can come and learn farming skills, irrespective of their needs. And he said the industry had become an unlikely leader for disability inclusion. The farm, which is home to 32 pigs, 30 chickens, 6 sheep, 5 ducks and 4 geese, was designed and built entirely by Mike and his partner Nessie last year. They produce sausages for local shops, pubs and restaurants and sell up to 200 eggs a week to locals. The farm now also welcomes 15 students a week, as well as allowing visitors to see how it's run and has had inquiries from all over the world. But despite applying for over 500 jobs, he failed to receive a single interview, so he decided to take matters into his own hands. He said, ''When I went to college, they didn't know what they were doing and neither did I, but we figured it out together and I'm really grateful for that opportunity.'' A lot of people are left behind in the farming industry. Injured farmers don't get support and a lot of young people who want to go into farming don't get the opportunities. So I decided to do it myself. My journey has been a big learning curve but I've worked with some amazing people and I've learnt how to do things slightly differently that work for me. At the end of the day, the animals need to be watered and fed. Sheep need to be sheared. So I just got on with it and found a way to do that.
1: Two dead ducks have been pulled from a pond at a Worcester Nature Reserve. The warden for Warndon Parish removed two ducks from the pond at Lippard Nature Reserve earlier this week. It is not yet clear what caused the ducks' death, but it is thought it could be related to avian flu. Councillor Dawn Merriman, portfolio holder for the Environment on Warndon Parish Council, said, The two dead ducks were found on Monday morning and were collected by our parish warden who works for the city council and they were appropriately disposed of. We do not know their cause of death, however. We are aware that avian flu is present amongst wild birds and therefore made local residents aware in case they see any other birds which may look ill or are diseased. The council has urged anyone who finds a dead duck or sees any signs of ducks in distress not to approach them. Instead, you should notify the council by emailing clark at warndonparishcouncil.org. Recently, all birds at a commercial poultry farm near Bromsgrove were set to be culled after avian flu was confirmed at the premises. On November 26, the government confirmed highly pathogenic avian influenza, HPAI, H5N1, also known as bird flu, has been found in commercial property near Bromsgrove. The Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, DEFRA, has placed a 3km protection zone and 10km surveillance zone around the premises. When avian influenza is confirmed or suspected in poultry or other captive birds, disease control zones are put in place around the infected premises to prevent the spread of disease. Dr Christine Middlemiss, the UK's Chief Veterinary Officer, said, We are seeing a growing number of bird flu cases on commercial farms and in backyard birds across the country, driven by high levels of disease within wild birds. Unfortunately, we expect the number of cases to continue to rise over the coming months as migratory birds return to the UK, bringing with them further risk of disease that can spread into our kept
2: flocks. An emergency shelter has thrown open its doors to rough sleepers so homeless people can keep warm as temperatures plunge below freezing. The shelter was made available at the Hope Church at the Granary in St Martin's Quarter in Worcester on Tuesday night and will be available until Sunday. This coincides with the current cold snap with three days of weather warnings issued by the Met Office for snow and ice in various parts of the UK. Worcester City Council was not able to provide figures about how many people used the shelter on Tuesday, Councillor Jabaria's Chair of Worcester City Council's Communities Committee, said Together with neighbouring district councils, we activated our severe weather emergency protocol SWEP on Tuesday this week, when temperatures dropped, and it will remain in place until Sunday, december the eleventh, when the cold snap is expected to be over. Swep is activated whenever it is forecast to be zero degrees or lower, and all partners across the city are aware of the Swep action and can direct people to shelter and warmth. Jonathan Sutton, chief executive of St Paul's Hostel, said the Swep initiative was a really necessary thing for the city, protecting people from the harshest extremes of the elements. He added... The overwhelming evidence is that sleeping rough on the street or in some other form of shelter, like a tent, is bad for your physical and mental health. Anything that keeps people on the streets and doesn't encourage them to move into somewhere safe is a bad thing. And the longer they stay out rough sleeping, the worse it is for their health. According to the Met Office, today's Friday temperature will reach a maximum of 2 degrees centigrade with a cold and frosty but sunny start. The weekend will stay cold and mostly dry, with some sunshine. Widespread and sharp frosts will continue overnight, perhaps with icy patches. Mist or fog is likely to form during the weekend, according to the Met Office's forecast. If any members of the public are aware of somebody who may be sleeping rough, we would encourage them to report this to Streetlink on 0300... 500 0914 or via www.street.streetlink.org.uk. That will trigger a notification to agencies who will be able to attend and offer any necessary support.
0: Taxi drivers may be prosecuted if they fail to help disabled passengers, including people in wheelchairs or with guide dogs. City taxi and private hire drivers in Worcester have been warned they could be prosecuted or their licences suspended if they do not follow new rules. Checks will be carried out by officers to make sure drivers abide by the law, says Worcester City Council. The Taxis and Private Hire Vehicles, Disabled Persons Act 2022, came into force in England in June this year and aims to ensure that disabled people can use taxi and private hire vehicles safe in the knowledge that they will not be discriminated against. In Worcester, licensing officers will be carrying out random test purchases, checks to ensure that the new legislation is being followed. This could involve test purchasers in wheelchairs or with guide dogs. The Taxi and Private Hire Vehicles Disabled Persons Act amended the Equality Act 2010 by introducing new and amended existing duties for local authorities and taxi and private hire vehicle drivers and operators alike. Worcester City Council will be taking steps to support the introduction of Act by amending and updating taxi policies. All taxi and private hire drivers and operators will also be informed of their responsibilities, which are to provide disabled passengers with reasonable assistance and carry their mobility aids, while not charging any more than they would for a non-disabled passenger. Drivers must also provide any disabled passenger who asks for it assistance to identify the vehicle at no extra cost. Public high vehicles are also required to accept bookings for or on behalf of any disabled person if they have a suitable vehicle available. Councillor Richard Uddle, Chair of Worcester City Council's Licensing and Environmental Health Committee said, We want everyone to feel welcome in Worcester and to feel safe and supported when they're out and about. For some disabled people, taxis are their only means of transport and we want them to know that wherever possible, their transport needs will be catered for. All taxi and private hire drivers and operators are being informed of their responsibilities to disabled passengers and our officers will be carrying out spot checks in the coming months. Any driver found to be flouting the new regulations could have their licence suspended or revoked.
1: Plans for an arts venue at a former city cinema will be revealed to the public after concerns the scheme could be scrapped over spiralling costs. The Arts Centre is intended to revive the historic Scala Theatre Worcester's original 1920s cinema. Plans go on show after serious consideration was given to abandoning the scheme altogether because of financial pressures. Plans will be on show at the Guildhall in Worcester High Street on Wednesday, December 14th, between 1pm and 8pm. We reported earlier this week how Worcester City Council has been forced to redraw plans to convert the historic Scala Theatre into a new 500-seat performing arts venue as part of a multi-million scheme because of money woes and has now said it is scrapping another key piece of the project to help pay for the centrepiece work. The current budget, which has spiralled because of rising costs of construction and materials, is already millions of pounds short and the council is still trying to hunt down potential investors to bridge the gap. The council was awarded almost £18 million by the government in 2020 to build the new performing arts venue as part of a wider revamp of the northern side of the city centre and the neglected Angel Place. Everyone is welcome to attend this public consultation and view the plans. The plans will be on display throughout the seven-hour event, and at 3pm and again at 7pm, the architects will give a presentation to set out the proposals in detail. A spokesperson for the scheme said, The ambitious proposals will transform the Angel Place area, attracting world-class arts, music and comedy acts to Worcester, as well as giving a much-needed boost to local businesses. The renovation has been designed by architects Burrell Foley Fisher, who also designed the Hall for Cornwall, as well as the Crucible in Sheffield, among several other award-winning venues. The Arts Centre proposals are part of the Future High Streets Fund, which includes £3.5 million worth of public realm improvements to Worcester City Centre, many of which are or, or already being enjoyed by residents. The City's Policy and Resources Committee will be asked on Tuesday, December the 13th, to agree to the submission of a
2: planning application. This is a roundup of Councillor Adrian Gregson's The Mayor's Diary during the last week. Being Worcester Mayor is not just about Worcester. It is about promoting the city for visitors, including through the international students team at the university. It's also about supporting other local civic events and their charities and the valuable work they do. Two examples this week. Firstly, we went to the Ledbury Civic Service, where the mayor is supporting Strong Young Minds, a project for mental health amongst young people. Secondly, we attended a charity dinner with the Redditch Mayor, the meal was all prepared and cooked by young students at the HOW College and in support of Touchstones, a local charity offering bereavement counselling to young people. My own charities, Onside and Seven Arts, received a boost this week from a concert given by the fabulous Elga Choral. Readings and carols went down well with a mince pie, and they even gave us an encore. I was invited to honour individual work in the volunteering community sector at the presentation of two British Empire Medals by the Lord Lieutenant. One for setting up an enterprise for people with learning disabilities and the other for nursing innovation with kidney patients. Other sorts of business and development have also been on show this week, including the transformation of the old fire station building into apartments. Then, wandering around the Victorian Fair... Both traders and visitors said how wonderful it was to be back in such a friendly place and numbers were certainly high over the last weekend. Supporting small businesses, we visited several new and independent retailers making their mark on Worcester, from bread to chilli, bubble tea to Botox. And most inspiringly, the talent and enthusiasm at the Young Enterprise Trade Event at the Cathedral, where school students plied us with their ideas and products. Times are tough right now, but there is some hope in their future.
0: Homeowners are being urged to think twice about where they store their Christmas gifts this year. People should not be hiding presents in garages and sheds, even if it's only temporary or overnight, said Anderson Fawcett of Rural Insurance Brokers Lysette's. It has never been a good idea to store valuable items in outbuildings but with the cost of living crisis and inflated prices burglars are more determined to exploit any opportunity they can. Fawcett stressed the importance of carefully checking household insurance policies and of not simply assuming all contents are covered. Most policies will have limits for any items that are stored outside the house. This is because security measures for sheds and garages tend not to be as vigorous and effective as they are for houses. Limits vary from insurer to insurer, with some providing cover wherever the gifts are kept and others insisting on secure locations. A number of insurers automatically provide an increased level of cover over Christmas, but this assumes that any expensive gifts are kept in the home. He also warned against keeping presents in cars Although most motor policies would not cover such losses, presents stolen from a locked car may be covered under a household policy, subject to certain limits and terms, so it's always best to double-check the policy wording. The safest thing to do is avoid leaving expensive items anywhere other than in the home. Even then, try not to hide them in obvious places, such as behind wardrobes or under beds, as these are often the first places burglars look. Checking the terms of insurance policies can help ensure a happy time for families over the festive period.
1: A crew of motorcycling Santas spread a bit of festive joy by delivering presents to a children's hospice. Revving into Acorn's Children's Hospice on Bath Road, the annual Santas on a Bike Midlands put a smile on youngsters' faces. As part of the charity event, Dozens of bikers dressed as Father Christmas collected money for and donated presents to Acorns Children's Hospice in Worcester. Mel Hall from the fundraising team at Acorns said, We were thrilled to welcome Santas on a bike back to Acorns in Worcester today in what has become one of the highlights of our year. At Acorns, we like to create special memories for children and families, especially at Christmas, and a fleet of festive Santas on Bikes is the perfect way to do that. We also want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has donated. The money raised thanks to Santas on a Bike will make a real difference to local children and their families at Christmas and all year round. Santas on a Bike began in 2004 with just a dozen participants. This year, there were several rides taking place across the country, including in Bristol, Devon and Plymouth. The Midlands edition was organised by Jennifer Long, who took over the responsibility in 2021. Pikers met up shortly before midday on Saturday at the Corn Mill Yard in Evesham. The crew then set off towards Broadway, passing through Betfreton, Badsey and Evesham, before heading towards Worcester. Miss Long said, I've been a biker for ten years, and I know we like nothing more than all getting together to raise money for good causes throughout the year. Santa's on a bike chose to support children's hospices at this time of year in the hope of raising a smile to children and families at what may be difficult times, especially brought to light around the festive period. For more information about Santas on a Bike and how to donate, visit santasonabike.org.uk forward slash Midlands.
2: Hundreds took to the streets of Worcester to highlight the issue of violence against women and girls. The Reclaim the Night march took place in Worcester tonight, with crowds gathering in Angel Place before making their way through the city. Passerby and diners in restaurants showed their support as chants of Mr. Mr. get your hands off my sister filled the air. Among those in attendance was councillor Lynn Denham. My daughters should be safe to go out and shouldn't be worried about somebody following them, she said. It's a really important movement about women's power and people's right to go out at night and feel safe. Women have as much right to walk about as men. Fellow councillor, Jill Desirea, added, it's so important that women do not feel at all marginalised at any time of day. I want to support the idea that women can walk about at night, be who they want to be, dress how they want to dress, without any threat of violence and intimidation. The Worcester Reclaim the Night March on Thursday, December the eighth, is part of the 16 Days of Activism. Against gender-based violence, the annual campaign, which began in 1991, started on November the 25th, the International Day of Elimination of Violence Against Women, and runs until December the 10th, Human Rights Day. This year's event was organised by West Mercia Rape and Sexual Abuse Support Centre. An organisation that supports women, men, and children who have experienced sexual violence, abuse, harassment, and exploitation.
0: An old weighing room has been demolished as the first part of a huge facelift of the city's racecourse. The dilapidated building at Worcester Racecourse has been torn down to make way for a modern two story structure. The facilities, backed by Worcester City Council's planning committee in September, will include a new weighing room, changing rooms, and toilets canteen, warm-up area and a physiotherapy room. Despite the excitement over the future, the racecourse said there was some sadness to see the old weighing room demolished. Some sadness here at Worcester Racecourse today in seeing our old weighing room being demolished, the tweet said. Although we are very much looking forward to the development of our new weighing room. Stay tuned for more updates. The replacement facilities are being built to fall in line with the new British Horse Racing Authority standards. It is not the only work taking place in Grandstand Road, with a decision still to be made by the government on a £10 million plan, which could overhaul one of the country's oldest racecourses. Worcester City Council has prepared the multi-million pound bid to the government to extend the racecourses grandstand to make way for a new summer rooftop bar and restaurant and build a new Riverside cafe and function room for weddings and parties. The bid also includes plans for a new Riverside cafe and function room for weddings and parties. The work, which is part of a bid for government levelling up money, also includes a new greener grandstand capable of hosting large events, conferences and public celebrations all year round. Improvements would also be made to the main racecourse entrance with the ground levelled to help during flooding and more toilets would be built. The racecourse, part of the old of the bid, totals £9 million with Sports Arena, which owns part of the racecourse alongside the City Council, putting forward half of the money. A decision on the bid was expected in the autumn, and the government is yet to reveal whether the city has been successful. Ministers said a verdict would now come before the end of the year.
1: The council is set to give the keys to a historic cricket site to a city school under a new deal. Worcester City Council is worried that the current arrangements for the city's Cinderella ground, which was the home to Worcestershire County Cricket Club until its move to New Road, could lead to the historic site sliding into a sorry state again. A deal is currently being struck between the King's School to take over the site off Bransford Road to ensure the recently restored site is kept to a high standard. The site off Bransford Road, which was a works ground for the city's Cinderella shoe factory and home to Kay's catalogue's renowned cricket and football pitches, hosted legendary cricketer W.G. Grace as a then 20-year-old in 1870, and the first Australian touring side played there in 1878. The City Council agreed on a 25-year lease with developer Arndale for the Cinderella Ground in 2007, intending to transform the site in partnership with Heart of Worcestershire College, HOW. H.O.W.'s plans to build new pitches and a pavilion suffered from years of setbacks, with the college eventually scrapping the renovation of the historic black-and-white pavilion because of its crumbling condition. An improvement to football pitches that as well in 2008 have now left the ground surplus to requirements. The City Council has concerns over the standards and ongoing upkeep of the site with the use of its pitches below the ideal level, and how bosses are now worried that HOW would absolve itself from any involvement despite its pact. The council is also worried it will be left with the bill, which currently sits at around £30,000 a year to repair and maintain the ground. King said the Cinderella Ground could become a potential headquarters for Worcestershire's women's and disabled cricket and plans to build a new artificial cricket pitch and install nets to protect neighbouring houses. The site would also be used year-round by primary schools for cricket, football and rugby and play host to summer camps and tournaments. Worcester City Council's Policy and Resources Committee meets in the Guildhall on Tuesday, December 13th to green light the move.
2: Drivers have been urged to take care on the roads after firefighters were called out to 12 crashes during icy winter weather over the weekend. Firefighters have attended the incident since Friday across Worcestershire and Herefordshire and are now sharing advice on how motorists can stay safe as the cold snap continues. A spokesperson for the Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said they also tackled two incidents involving wood-burning stoves. They added... Among numerous call-outs, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service responded to a spate of road traffic collisions, RTCs, involving some 12 vehicles over Friday and the weekend, as well as two wood-burning stove incidents. The incidents took place amid extreme winter conditions and met office yellow weather warnings among snow, ice and temperatures well below freezing in various parts of our area. The RTCs took place right across our area involving vehicle collisions, vehicle and motorcycle fires, vehicles hitting building and a telegraph pole and landing on their side, upside down and in a ditch. The wood-burning stove fires involved a fire in a chimney stack and one extending to roof space, much of which was destroyed. The Met Office forecast is for the icy weather conditions to continue at least for the next few days and they have extended the cold weather alert level 3 until 9am on Friday, December the 16th. The immediate forecast is for temperatures to fall well below freezing, giving a sharp frost and a risk of icy patches with freezing fog thickening and reforming to give some areas a murky night. Wednesday to Friday
0: are expected to stay cold with sharp overnight frosts. A Worcester hospital has become the first in the county to offer a form of robot-assisted joint replacement surgery. Spire Southbank Hospital off Bath Road has taken delivery of a Mako robot, which helps consultants carry out knee and hip replacements. Patients are said to experience significantly less pain and recover faster after robot-assisted surgery compared to traditional surgery. The MACO technology provides each patient with their own personalised surgical plan bespoke to their specific body shape and surgical requirements. CT scans are used to create a 3D model of the hip or knee for pre-surgical planning. In the operating theatre, the surgeon follows the personalised surgical plan while preparing the bone for the joint implant. The MACO robotic arm guides the surgeon so they remain within predefined surgical areas to avoid the removal of healthy bone tissue. As the surgeon resurfaces the knee or hip joint for the placement of implants, MACO provides real-time feedback to the surgeon, delivering a high degree of precision and accuracy in the placing of the implants. Consultant knee and hip surgeon Nadeem Aslam said, The MACO robotic arm is transforming the way joint replacement surgeries are performed. Having been trained by the world's leading MACO consultants, I am proud to be the first consultant orthopaedic surgeon in Worcestershire to be using this technology and practising some of the most advanced techniques for my patients at Spire Southbank Hospital. Hospital director Dawn Pickrell said, The whole team here at Spire Southbank is proud to be the first hospital in Worcestershire to introduce MACO technology for knee and hip replacements. Having three highly experienced orthopaedic consultants here offering this advanced surgery, I am confident that even more patients will benefit from the most up-to-date technology available to ease their pain and provide renewed mobility and quality of life. Consultant specialists offering this new service at Spire Southbank include Mr. Aslam, Darren Clark and Akash Sharma. A celebrity chef
1: is coming to Worcester to launch a new bakery in the city centre. Marcus Bean, the winner of Iron Chef UK in 2010, is coming to the launch of Peter Cook's Bread in the Hot Market this Saturday, December 10th. The launch party and free-tasting event will be held from 10am to midday. Following his success on Iron Chef UK show, Marcus Bean has been a regular chef on ITV's This Morning and on Good Food Channel's Market Kitchen, Channel 4's What's Cooking and ITV's New Children's Cookery Show, Munchbox. Peter Cook, owner of the business, will be on hand to answer questions from those in attendance and we'll be providing lots of bread and pastries to sample. Mould apple juice and activities for children will also be available on the day. Peter Cook's Bread will be open from eight thirty a.m. to five thirty p.m. on Monday to Saturday. Peter Cook's Bread opened in the Hot Market in the Foregate on Friday, December the second, and foodies have also been sampling the delights at the shop. Mavis Cook, who runs the shop with her husband Peter, previously said, We have never had a shop before. We are a wholesaler. We have had a market stall in Worcester. We have been looking for a year and decided on the hot market because profits go back into the city of Worcester from the rents, and it's a really beautiful courtyard. The bakery sells a range of breads, sourdoughs and pastries, including vegan pastries and the shop has begun selling its Christmas range, including mince pies. We sell real bread and there are only four ingredients, flour, salt, water and yeast, Mrs Cook said. Pete has been a baker for 30 years and the business has been going for nine years now. Please come and visit us.
2: Plans to turn an ugly and dangerous area of Worcester City Centre filled with drug paraphernalia into a garden have been rejected by the County Council. A row has broken out after a plan put forward by architect Nick Carroll to change a rundown public area of Lower Broad Street into a private garden area for nearby flats was denied after two years of discussion. Mr Carroll of Deansway Regeneration, who owns flats near the weed bed opposite All Saints Church, described it as an eyesore greeting visitors to one of the main gateways to the city. He also said the area is a hotspot for antisocial behaviour and is littered with drug paraphernalia. However, the council has said it will allow Mr Carroll to plant the garden, but the area must remain public land. Mr Carroll said... This is public land attracting proven antisocial behaviour and is poorly maintained at the cost of council taxpayers. We have offered to pay to improve an eyesore that will be transformed into a private amenity space for many local residents and at no loss to the city of Worcester. The improvement will help secure the wider objective of improving Lower Broad Street. But the county council says no, despite support from Robin Walker MP John Campion, local councillors, planning and conservation officers and Worcester Bid, who voiced support along with local residents for this endeavour. Mr Carroll also criticised the council's slow response time. He said, If they cannot see a mutual benefit and respond in a timely fashion, then they are not fit for purpose to serve the residents of Worcester. Robin Walker, MP for Worcester, said he was disappointed to hear the plans are not going forward. Robin Walker said, I remember Mr Carroll coming to see me a while back and I thought his plan was a good idea that looked as if it could really really help the area. I'm not really sure of the basis on why this was turned down but I'm certainly disappointed with the news. John Campion, Police and Crime Commissioner, said he wanted to look for ways to tackle drug use. But he added, However, any plans that require planning permission must also have the backing of organisations consulted on them. Worcester Bid also supported the idea. Councillor Mike Rouse, Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport, said... We will always try to work with community-spirited people and that's why we have already granted what is known as a temporary planting licence, which lets Mr Carroll plant in the raised bed adjacent to the public highway. The land will still be owned by the County Council and is under consideration for future redevelopment. In the meantime, we wish Mr Carroll well with his project.
0: Temperatures in Worcestershire have plummeted leaving roads covered in ice and the Met Office has predicted temperatures as low as minus 5 degrees in the county meaning many will be waking up to an icy windshield and the prospect of a nervy drive ahead. Luckily Worcestershire County Council has prepared itself for such a situation with an army of gritters ready to hit the roads. Councillor Mike Rouse, Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport said staff at our depots across the county are preparing and working with our highways teams to ensure the grit hits the road at precisely the right time to make the roads safe for our residents to travel as the colder weather continues. We have five large barns and a dome filled with enough salt ready to hit the county's roads and if and when the county sees significant levels of snow we have snow ploughs available to be fitted to our gritters to help clear the roads. The council's gritters have been on standby from October, which marks the official start of the winter maintenance season and will continue to be so until spring. Last winter, the teams clocked up more than 50,000 miles across the county. The gritters have been going out over the past few evenings, spreading salt on county roads in a bid to keep people moving. In total, the council has 36 gritting vehicles ready to roll, as well as 54 drivers, 16,750 tonnes of salt stored across six depots and 1,320 grit bins placed across the county. The gritters are equipped with technology which allows residents to track them live throughout gritting operations.
1: A water company awarded £75,000 to help young people get into full-time work, and a year on the benefit of the fund has been revealed. 7Trent awarded the money to Young Enterprise through its community fund in November last year. A year on from when the grant was awarded to Young Enterprise, the charity is reflecting on the impacts made for young people in Worcester this year. At Worcester Cathedral on December 3rd, student teams from schools and colleges across Worcestershire took part in the Young Enterprise Trade Fair, showcasing their wares and trading directly with the public. At the Trade Fair, the Cathedral's Director of Learning, Daniel Parnell, assisted Young Enterprise by judging the competing teams for the awards of Best Product or Service, Customer Focus Teamwork and best display, with sponsorship from Seven Trent Community Fund, the awards recognise the hard work and determination displayed by the young people taking part. Team SJC and Co Digital from Prince Henry's High School won the award for customer focus. The teamwork award was won by the Midland Six team from Worcester Sixth Form College which were pictured alongside this article with their printed tote bags. Jay Goff, Community Fund Officer from 7 Trent, concluded, we're proud to have supported such an amazing project, giving young people across Worcester the opportunity to develop new skills, gain confidence, build their self-esteem and explore their full potential.
2: Groans and bad language echoed through Worcester's packed out pubs as England crashed out of the World Cup to the heartbreak of fans. The courtyard in St Nicholas Street in Worcester city centre has even taken the novel and unusual step of creating a beach in the bar so fans could feel like they were in Qatar during the quarter final match against France on Saturday. Meanwhile, the newly appointed landlord of the Brunswick Arms in St John's, which has pledged to show every World Cup game, has drawn big crowds to the pub and wants the support to continue even though England are out. The 2-1 defeat put an end to England's dreams of equaling the achievements of the celebrated 1966 squad, at least for another four years. But there were moments of joy one fan whipping off his shirt and twirling it around his head when England scored a goal. Lloyd Cox, owner of the courtyard, set a capacity of 200 as fans sank their toes in the sand for the game and cheered on England. Mr Cox said, had England progressed to the semi-finals, his intention was to keep the beach, complete with chairs and inflatable palm trees, into the later stages of the competition, describing the idea as a massive triumph. Meanwhile, on the other side of the river, in the Brunswick Arms, in Malvern Road, St. John's, Worcester, the mood was equally sombre. However, the landlord, Shane, wanted to look on the bright side and said there were still great games to enjoy. He said, Amazing few weeks we've had here for the World Cup, even for non-England games. We've had customers come and watch other games, from young to the old, enjoying the games with great atmosphere. To be fair, my first month in the job as landlord has been a great start. The World Cup might be over, but the pub shows all Sky Sports games and BT and will be showing all prime games throughout the Christmas period, starting with Boxing Day from noon.
0: Bus drivers are refusing to pull over at a former Worcester stop because it is now too dangerous, sparking anger from elderly passengers. The bus stop in Brickfields Road was axed to make way for a zebra crossing, and now the elderly passengers are fighting to get it back. Their cause has been taken up by Councillor Lynn Denham, a Labour councillor for Cathedral Ward and a county councillor for Rainbow Hill, who is demanding it is reinstated to preserve access to the community centre. However, bosses at First Buses and Highways Chiefs say it would be dangerous for drivers to stop on or near the crossing, although they say they are in talks to try and find a solution. One passenger, who declined to be named, demanded the Phantom bus stop to be reinstated. We want our bus stop back, said the 76-year-old from Warndon. She uses the number 35 to get to and from the KGV community hub, where she has been going for 15 years. The woman said some of the people who use the bus stop are in their 80s and have problems with mobility and poor eyesight. The nearest stops, she said, are near the bridge towards Aspwood Road or much further up the hill in the opposite direction. The drivers look at you, but they just carry on. I saw one driver shaking his head as if to say, we're not a taxi service. They won't stop when we're trying to get on the bus, and they won't stop when we're trying to get off. I don't think they'd stop even if we showed a bit of leg. Richard Chinock, operations manager for First Worcester, said, we are not able to stop on the crossing or zigzag lines, and stopping before or after would prevent present a hazard to other road users we remain in discussion with Worcestershire County Council regarding sitting a replacement stop but until this is resolved we're unfortunately unable to stop in this location there is a bus stop sign on the ro- on the park side of brickfield's Road but not on the opposite side said councillor Denham Councillor Denham said Residents are completely fed up about it and really angry. The zebra crossing was put in place to make it easier for them to get to the community centre and now they can't get the bus to stop, she said. County Councillor Mike Rouse, Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport, said the crossing was installed to improve road safety and it would jeopardise safety if a bus stopped too close to the crossing. He was confident a solution could be found.
1: Runners can sign up for an annual festival of running in Worcester, including the popular Half Marathon, which returns next year. Worcester City Runs, founded by athlete Steve Cram, will return next September with special early bird prices on offer throughout December. The annual runs will now take place on September 16th to 17th during a weekend for events in the city alongside Worcester Paint Festival and Worcester Music Festival. The Worcester City runs are being organised by Events of the North in partnership with Worcester City Council and Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity. Places are now available on the Worcester City Half Marathon, 10K and Young Athletes Run, which will all be held on Sunday, September 17th. An early bird rate price for the half marathon and 10k will be in place until the end of the year. Founded in 2014, the Worcester City Runs attracts thousands of runners and spectators to the city every September and the half marathon, 10k and junior runs are now well-established races on the Worcester sporting calendar. As well as leading club runners, Many of the participants run to raise money for good causes, including official charity partner Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity. Funds raised by runners support vital research, the improvement of facilities and medical equipment, and staff development and welfare. Steve Cram, Worcester City Run's founder and race director, said... We're getting out of the blocks quickly for 2023 and are really excited that the Worcester City runs will be part of a huge weekend of events in the city. Opening entries early will help everyone to plan ahead and we'll be working closely with the team at Worcester City Council to deliver memorable experiences for anyone who joins us. The half-marathon and 10k are always popular, so I recommend that people don't miss the opportunity to take advantage of the early bird price and secure their place on the start line. The Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, said, The Worcester City Runs are great events and I will encourage anyone who is wondering whether to take part to get their place now. Places for the 2023 Worcester City Runs can be booked at www.worcestercityrun.com The early bird price for a place in the Worcester City Half Marathon is 33 pounds for runners in affiliated clubs and 35 pounds for unaffiliated runners racing to 36 pounds or 38 pounds from January the 1st Places on the Worcester City 10k cost 24 pounds or 26 pounds respectively Rising to 26.50 or 28.50 from the 1st of January. The cost of a place on the Young Athletes Run, one mile for under 11s and 3k for under
2: 15s, is £8. We'll now continue with a roundup of further sports news. Saturday was the day Worcester City celebrate their 120th anniversary. But would they even have been here had it not been for a certain English footballing icon back in 1951? Sir Stanley Matthews, arguably one of the greatest to ever grace the game on British shores, came to Worcester City's rescue all those years ago on Thursday, May the 3rd. It was a turbulent time for the football club. The accounts had shown a trading deficit for two seasons in a row and the board had to seek a loan of £5,000 from the Football Association with the supporters club assuming responsibility for the repayments. So in order to try and pull themselves out of their financial crisis, City player manager Percy James set up a Save the Club fundraising game utilising his contacts in the full-time game. The opposition was made up entirely of Blackpool and West Bromwich Albion players. To put that into context, Blackpool finished third in Division 1 that season and the previous Saturday they had played in the FA Cup final, losing to Newcastle United. St George's Lane was packed to the rafters to watch the legend that was Matthews and the rest of the professional players on show, including, including Ray Barlow, Rex Adams, Bill Wardle and Joe Kennedy. The game itself didn't live up to its billing and was most notable for the fact that a young City player, Gordon Mackenzie, injured Matthews with an over-enthusiastic tackle, forcing him to depart the field 15 minutes before the final whistle. City lost 2-0 and Mackenzie, who was doing his national service at Norton Barracks at the time, never played for City again. Matthews was forced to miss England's next two games, including a prestigious friendly against Argentina because of the bruised foot. However, his star name did manage to raise over £900 for Worcester City and the club survived with the help of a donation of £800 from the supporters club on top. City's goalkeeper that day was Ron Baynham, who is in the photo standing in front of the huge crowd. Bainham is still alive and is the oldest surviving England international player. He was eventually sold to Luton Town in 1952 and went on to win three international caps as well as playing in the 1959 FA Cup final. So, despite getting a clatter that day, less than 90 minutes of football from Sir Stanley Matthews ensured the football club stayed alive and maybe the reason it is still here today.
0: Judo is a sport that definitely runs through the genes of one particular Worcester family. Bailey, Freddie, Alfie and Molly Wilson have all been training at the Worcester Judo Club for the past couple of years, overcoming the obstacles provided by COVID-19. But the hard work has paid off this year and in September 2022, the family celebrated silver medal at the recent British Championships in Sheffield. The British Championships is the most prestige event of the year for the pre-cadets and Bailey Wilson didn't disappoint, securing himself a deserved silver medal in the pre-cadet under 66 kilogram ter- category. Bailey, 13, started training at Worcester Judo Club under head coach Mark Langston in August 2020 and has gone on to secure medals at competitions up and down the country. Such was his success, Bailey was selected to compete for the Midlands Judo Squad in July 2022 in the British Team Championships, where they finished fifth. He also secured himself a place at the Reds, the Regional England Development Squad, and in September 2022, training at Walsall once a week and various training days throughout the year. Freddie joined Brother Bailey on the Reds and himself as a wide range of medals, having started the sport in 2021. 11-year-old Alfie and sister Molly have also started judo and are showing great potential. The
1: owners of Worcester City are looking to secure the football club's future with a new campaign. Worcester City Supporters Trust, the majority shareholder of the Blues, is hoping to grow to 1,000 members by the end of next year. In 2021, City became the county's only community-owned club, sharing an ownership model similar to that of AFC Wimbledon, Exeter City and Newport County. To continue building on the success, the hashtag 1000Strong pledge has been announced by the Trust alongside a new membership system. Rob Crean, chair of the Trust, said, the Trust has played a pivotal role in the survival of the football club up to, until this point. We continued to promote the club at every opportunity while in exile, playing away from Worcester, and have worked incredibly hard to get the club playing back in the city. Whilst our work in recruiting, training and organising match day volunteers goes some of the way to helping the club alongside our other activities – as the major majority shareholder, we have a responsibility to secure its long-term financial stability. The Supporters' Trust used to be about campaigning, so our membership offering was geared towards strength in numbers. But as the majority shareholder, we need to recalibrate to take collective responsibility for our club's future. Previously, members played £10 a year, which saw them become part owners of the club. However, supporters will now have to stump up at least £3 a month or £35 a year, which will give members the chance to have a big say in decisions and to stand to be elected to the trust board. For those looking to contribute more, there are £75 and £150 per year options available. Mr Crean added... The new three-tiered system allows for individuals who would like to contribute more to do so, whilst ensuring the entry barriers remain accessible. We've arrived at this new offering by taking advice from experts in the field and cross-examining how other successful community-owned football clubs structure their membership schemes. The new membership scheme has not gone down well with all fans of the club. One member, who didn't wish to be named, renewed his membership just last month, but will now have to sign up again or face being removed from the Trust. As a fan who goes rain, wind or shine, I just feel it was not a very community-orientated move, he said. The Trust has confirmed that anyone who renewed their £10 a year membership after October 1st can request a refund, but we'll have to sign up to the new scheme to remain a a member after January the 1st,
0: 2023. And that concludes our uh, offering for this week. And uh, so we'd all just like to say goodbye and thank you for listening and all the very best for the festive season. And hopefully we'll we'll be back contributing in January. Goodbye. And now the obituaries. Jane Margaret Thompson of Lysinton passed away suddenly at home on the 27th of November. Funeral services at St. Edgars Church, Lee, lie on Friday the 16th of December at 2 o'clock, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only please, but donations, if desired, for St. Richard's Hospice may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Sheila May Clark passed away suddenly on December the 3rd. Her funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 21st at one forty-five. Family flowers only, please. Donations are invited for Birmingham Children's Hospital Charity, which may be sent to E. Hill & Son in Pershaw. Keith Aldrett passed away peacefully in hospital with his family by his side on the 4th of December, Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the twenty ninth of december at one o'clock. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for cancer research may be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummer and Sons. Albert, known as Bert Clayton, passed away peacefully on the fifth of December. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, the twenty sixth of december at one PM. Family flowers only. But donations if desired for Acorns Children's Hospice Trust may be left on the collection plate or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son. William Reginald, known as Bill, born, passed away at home on December the 5th. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 19th at 10am. Family flowers only, please, and donations for St. Richard's Hospice may be placed in the box available at the service. And Donald George Parry, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on Tuesday the 6th of December, funeral to take place on Monday the 19th at 1.45 Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, are for St Richard's Hospice, which can be left at the crematorium or sent to Worcester Funeral Service. And Margaret Poole of Clanes passed away peacefully on the 8th of December after a long illness. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 22nd of December at 10am. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gummery and & Sons. And our thoughts and prayers go to all the family and friends of those who've lost loved ones recently.